We've got so much to be thankful for, and this being the Thanksgiving week, uh, I guess that just brings it to our focus. But in this country, we are so blessed. We've got, um, we've got more going on. We're so rich in this nation, no matter where you're at financially, you're still richer than most of the world. We've got food, and enough food to make me look like this. We can eat... We can eat any time we want in this nation, and people are going to starve to death today. So we are, uh, <clears throat> we are very blessed, and we tend to forget that. I want to talk about, uh, about heaven today, and I don't know what we'd have to be more thankful for than heaven, right? And unfortunately, uh, it's one of the things that we either forget about or, or just don't talk about much. She doesn't remember this. But a few years back, Susan Wolf challenged me on this. We were in the workroom, and she asked me, why aren't there more sermons on heaven? And I told her that um, it's, it actually is a little bit of a difficult subject to preach on. But that never left my mind that she said that to me, even though she forgot it. It never left my mind. We don't talk about heaven near enough in churches we don't talk about heaven near enough as believers. We really should focus on it more. Uh, the, Bible, uh, the Bible doesn't give us an exhaustive definition of what heaven's going to be like. But it does give us an accurate one. And so we need to take that information and, and, and work with that. So that's, uh, that's how this came about to get today. Again, I just don't know of anything that uh, is too much more exciting and being thankful for than heaven. All of our lives, we've had conversations about heaven. When we were little children, is there anybody in here that didn't talk about heaven as a child? And, you know, you and your friends, or you think about it, adults would talk to you about heaven, right? Grandma died, where'd grandma go? Grandma's in heaven. Buffy the dog died, Puffy the cat died, they're in heaven. So we, we've had these conversations all of our life. Um, as adults, I think we still do, but probably not near enough, which is surprising because we're closer to death, aren't we? You think we'd be more interested in heaven than children are. With all these conversations that we have, um, unfortunately, sometimes there's a little bit of uh, misconceptions, false information out there. And we naturally do that. When we don't have the answer to something, um, we, kinda, we tend to make our own answers. We kind of fill in the gap. It's, it's just natural to do that. But sometimes that can affect the way we view um, whatever we're discussing. Have you ever met anybody that's just overjoyed, thrilled, about heaven, you might be one of them. But they're so excited about heaven. And some of the reasons for that are, is number one, hopefully, they're going to be with Jesus. Um, the other thing is, and the most common, probably way more common, is I get to see my loved ones. I get to be reunited with loved ones that are in heaven. Whether it's mom and dad, grandma, grandpa, or maybe some of you out there have lost a child and I get, to, I get to see that child again. Get to be with, uh, with those that I love. And so people who think about that um, and think about heaven in that way, a lot of times they can tend to be a little more excited about it. The idea of heaven, um, 
is found in every religion around the world. The idea of heaven is, is absolutely global. This isn't a, a United States thing. This isn't a Christian thing. This is absolutely global. In one way or another, eternity is thought about. And again, it's another one of those things that's very natural for us humans. There's got to be something after this. Even those who believe in resurrection, they're talking about eternity, right? Um, I'm a good person here. I do a pretty good job. I come back as a millionaire in the next life. Or if I'm a scumbag, I come back as a flea on a rat. But, but they're, they're talking about eternity. It's something that uh, we just absolutely have in us, the thought of, of what's after this. With, with those that are very excited about heaven, there's, there's some people out there that, that aren't so much. You ask them, you know, are, are you excited? I've had conversations with Christians that have admitted that um, they want to go there. Don't get me wrong, they want to go. It doesn't take an Einstein to figure out that it's better than the alternative, right? But, but they're just not real excited about it. Um, so what causes, uh, what causes the difference between... Um, Someone who's really excited about heaven. Somebody who just, you know, so heavenly minded they're of no earthly good, you've heard before, but I'm, I'm not really talking about that. I'm talking about somebody that's um, really just anxious to meet God, anxious to think about heaven, anxious to talk about heaven as compared to somebody who, yeah, they want to go there, but, uh, but they're not maybe quite that, that hyped up. If we're honest, many of us have had those feelings at, at one time or another in our life that, you know, the thought of heaven, yeah, well, I want to go there, but eh, not so much as far as the uh, real liver quiver goes. Well, perceptions and misconceptions are, are the reason to be on either side. It, it's how we perceive heaven. It's how we think about it. And then the misconceptions that we have about heaven can sure put a damper um, on, our, on our excitement about it. So no matter where you find yourself on that spectrum, um, either end or in the middle, it's, it's our perceptions of heaven. It's our, our um, ideas of what's going on. One of, the, one of the first misconceptions that we've heard, again, we talked about heaven when we were kids, and we heard this one when we were kids. And unfortunately, believe it or not, I will still hear an adult talk about this once in a while, and I just want to sit down and bang my head on the desk. When we die, we go to heaven... And we get wings like angels, we float around on clouds, and we play a what? A harp. Yahoo! Man, I can't wait for that. How about you? Forever I get to do that. Yeah! Isn't that silly? Where did that come from? It doesn't matter, but that's, uh, that's what we think of when we're kids. I don't have any idea um, who thought that one up. But uh, hopefully most, if not all, of you have moved on. If you haven't, you better now, because I just explained to you that ain't happening, folks. If it is, I don't know what I'm going to do. Um, again, no, no insult to those of you who love the harp or love playing it, but it just don't thrill me. Um, our misconceptions usually come uh, from not, not looking into the scriptures enough. So if you'll, uh, if you'll, if you'll spend the time and see what the Bible says about heaven, a lot of that stuff will be dispelled and your thinking will begin to change. It doesn't give us a full picture, that's true. But it does give us enough information that we can begin down the path of knowing, of knowing what's true, what's right, and get that, that fire of excitement started in us. Or 
build it up if you already have it. I don't want to forget you folks that are already excited about it. Um, one of the other things that people struggle with, <laughs> church is considered an unending, I'm sorry, heaven is considered an unending church service 24-7 forever standing in front of the throne and praising God. Isn't that what all good God-loving believers would do? I mean, shouldn't we be thrilled about that? I'm not. Um, Unfortunately, those of us who struggle with that, um, the thought of standing before the throne and praising God 24-7 forever, then we get to feeling guilty. I'm not spiritual enough. I don't love God enough. What's wrong with me? If you express that feeling, if you express that, uh, you know, I'm not so sure I like that idea. What's one of the first things you're going to hear from the spiritual people? Those who, who got it? Well, when you die, God's going to change your heart. And you won't mind it. Or when you die and you see the, the grandeur and the majesty of God, it'll instantly change your heart and, that, and it'll be okay. That's okay if that's true. I'm okay with that. I, 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 wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't argue that. But that doesn't do much for me now. The thought of a 24-7 church service, I've got to just be honest with you. And I don't think I'm alone in that. I, I think there's other Christians out there. If I am, then it just doesn't do much for me now. Besides that, I think we're going to look at a few verses here in a few seconds that will dispel that idea. When I stand before God, I know I'm going to be overwhelmed. I'm not denying that. And, and I shared with him in the, in the first service, my wife's favorite song is, um, I can only imagine, I couldn't think of the name of it in the first service. And in that, in that song, um, one of the lines goes something like this. Um, I can only imagine that I'll, somebody help me, I'll, I'll, I'll I'll, I'll praise God, fall to, or fall to my knees and say nothing at all. I know I'm butchering it, but you get the idea, right? And, you know, w- will I be standing at God, singing at the top of my lungs, or will I fall on my knees, not being able to speak? I'm not, uh, I'm not dispelling God's majesty. Please don't hear that. I'm not dispelling the fact that I'm going to be in awe and overwhelmed. I'm going to be one of them that's going to fall, I'm sure of it. I ain't going to be able to say nothing. I just can't imagine that I'd be able to even open my mouth or lift my head. So please don't, don't hear that Brad doesn't think God is majestic and all that. I'm saying that's not, <laughs> that's not uh, what our 24-7 heaven is going to be like. Another reason that either a person falls into the category of, yes, I'm very excited about heaven or maybe not so much, is our intimacy with God. It, it plays a real role in our excitement, in our desire to be in heaven, how we look at heaven. It's no different than us here on the earth. If I'm close friends with somebody, um, I'm going to want to hang out with that person a lot more than somebody that I, I just maybe casually know. Um, if i got a choice to hang out with family that I love, or somebody that I casually know. I'm probably going to prefer to hang out with that person I'm closest to. Doesn't mean I can't have fun with somebody else. Doesn't mean I can't uh, go fishing with somebody that I casually know and have a great time. 
but my choice is going to be with the people that I'm closest to, right? So, and, and that goes across the board with all of us. It's the same thing with God. The closer you are to God, the more you're going to want to be with him. Those who are excited about heaven are people who have taken the time to get to know God. They've taken the time to read their Bibles. They've given. They've served. They've come to church. They, they've followed God. They know him. They're intimate with him. And they're excited to be with him. God is a priority in our life. It's hard to get excited about spending a whole lot of time with somebody that we're not real close with, much less forever. It's the same thing when we think about God. Somewhere along the line, many Christians have accepted um, the notion that they will be some sort of disembodied soul floating around in this space called heaven forever. And this notion can kind of put a, a damper on, on many people's excitement. It, it, it just sounds so unworldly. Um, not only do, do many people think that we're going to be these souls, whatever they th- conceive that to be, but they think we're going to be identityless. I wasn't even sure I was going to be able to say that word. We're, we're not going to have our identity. We're not going to be who we are. They also think we're going to be sexless. And I'm not talking about sexual activity. I'm talking about gender. We're going to be this kind of neutered, all be the same person, kind of weird, neutral uh, soul thing floating around. <clears throat> and that's what we're going to be like when we die. And I've got to be honest with you, um, that seems kind of bizarre too. Somebody out there might be thinking right now, because I'm telling you, the Bible doesn't teach any of this. It doesn't teach that we're not going to have our identities. It does not teach that we're going to be genderless. The Bible teaches that we will have identities. We will have gender. And I, like I started to say, I could see somebody out there saying that, uh, oh, wait a minute, in Galatians, it says... There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. And there is neither male nor female. And it's true, it does say that, but it also goes on to say, uh, for you're all one in Christ Jesus. What this verse is talking about, <clears throat> it's not telling us that, we, that we'll all be the same, that we'll be the sexless, identityless, genderless, same beings floating around. What it's telling us is that we're going to be equal because of Jesus. You'll no longer be discriminated against. You'll no longer be held back because of who you are or what you are. That's, what, that's all that's talking about. But yet ver- that verse and others like it have been used to create this, you know, we're all going to be thrown into, into the stew and it's just going to be, we're going to be one big mass of, of uh, mulligan stew and that's not it at all. So what does the Bible say we will be like? Well, in, in 1 John 3, uh, 3, 2, Beloved, we are God's children now. It does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like he is. Be like who is? Jesus, of course. Jesus has been resurrected. 
It says uh, that when he appears, he comes back for his church is what it's talking about. That is when our souls will be reunited with their bodies. Our resurrected bodies will be as his is. And the next question would be, what is his like? I'm glad you asked that. When Jesus rose from the grave, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> when Jesus rose from the grave, he had a body, right? We've all read that, or at least most of us have read that. He had a body. Jesus walked on the earth. He socialized with other people. And he ate. And he was a man. There was nothing in there to uh, indicate that Jesus was anything but that. Uh, this was so important. The fact that he was a man. This was so important in Jesus' mind that when he was around those that, that saw his resurrected body, he made sure to point out to them that he was real. I got flesh and bone, he said. Look at the nail prints in my hands, he said. I am not a ghost. He, that, was, that was so important to Jesus because evidently that concept of, of, uh, of souls being... Uh, or, or dead people kind of being these ghostly souls even went way back then. We're, we're not the first ones to, uh, to think about that. Jesus was clearly in his own recognizable body. Um, he was able to associate with people. They associated with him. Philippians 20, 21 tells us again that uh, we, will have, we will be as Jesus is. The Lord Jesus will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. So if Jesus was flesh and bone and not a ghost, it says right here, according to uh, Philippians, that we will be like he is, can't we assume that we will be? And if you're a woman here, you're going to be a woman in the afterlife. And if you're a man here, you're going to be a man. You will have an identity. This body is a blueprint for who will be, what will be in heaven. Now, for some of us, that's a little bit depressing. But we don't know exactly what our glorified bodies are going to be. We, we get a pretty good picture of Jesus. Um, but I don't know if Jesus was out of shape or overweight or any of that stuff like, like I am. But uh, anyhow, we... We're going to be a perfect version of who we are now. We, we won't fall apart like we do now. Betty, there's going to be no more wheelchairs in heaven. I told you I was going to use you an example, didn't I? I seen Betty come in and I, yeah, there's going to be no more wheelchairs in heaven. I'm not in a wheelchair. But that, incite, that excites me like you can't believe that people like, like Betty and, and uh, um, what's your mother's name, Melissa? <laughs> My mind went blank. When I see people like Peg that used to get around, Denton struggling with his health, me with my bad knees, there will be no more ears that don't work. There will be no more eyes that don't work. No more hearts that are messed up. That gets me excited whether it affects me personally or not because I know those things devastate people's lives. And I can't wait for that. The older you get, the easier it is to get excited about this, isn't it? 
Um, some of these kids sitting here going, my body's perfect. Yeah, mine, mine used to be too. <laughs> used to be is the operative part of that, though. The older you get, the easier that is to understand. We'll be recognized, and we will recognize in heaven. Like I was talking about before, your loved ones that are there, you will know them, you will see them, you will, uh, they'll know you. One thing will be a little bit different, though. Matthew 22.30 tells us that there's no, um, there's no he- a marriage in heaven. I've had a, a couple of people uh, ask me, women, how can I be happy in heaven without that relationship with my spouse? I love my spouse. I want to be with my spouse. I don't see how I can be happy without that. Well, first of all, the Bible tells us that there, there won't be any marriage in heaven because there's no need for it. God created man. He created woman to be a helpmate. He was alone and to populate the earth. We won't be alone in heaven. We got, we're going to have all the help we need. We'll, we'll, be, uh, we'll be there together, and it's already populated. But there's nothing in Scripture that I know of that even hints that we won't have those special relationships. So whatever the relationship you have with your spouse now is going to be a special one there in heaven. And if it's not special here, work on it. Um, your friends that you have here on earth, they'll be special in heaven too. Again, it doesn't mean that I won't be excited about spending casual time with somebody that I don't know, that heaven will be the same way. I, sure, I'd love to talk to some guy from Ethiopia about his life, how he came to know Christ. We're going to have a lot in common, right? But you're going to have special relationships. <clears throat> so I hope if you're someone who's troubled by that verse, that'll, that'll help you a little bit. We will, get to, uh, we will get to enjoy each other. One other real quick. We look at heaven as a far-off place, this, this place way out yonder somewhere. It's hard to wrap our minds around. And uh, it is true. We don't know where heaven is right now. It's, it's looked at in three, three phases, the first heaven, the second heaven, and the third heaven. The first heaven is the sky when the Bible refers to that, the birds, the airplanes, all that. The second heaven is where the stars and the planets are. We know where those two places are. It's the third heaven that we don't know where it is. But we will someday. The Bible tells us where it's going to be someday. Have you ever heard of the song, This World Is Not My Home? It's by a Christian singer, Larry Norman, who's dead now, by the way. Um, he came out with this album in 1970, This World Is Not My Home. Was he right? If he's talking about this world as it is now, polluted, corrupted, falling apart, then he was right. If he's talking about permanently, he's not right. He was wrong. This is how um, many of us have been trained to think. We're going to die and go to heaven forever never to return here again. That's not what the Bible teaches. Revelation 21.1, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and first earth had passed away, 
I hate to read this part, it bums my wife out. And there was no longer any sea. That depresses her. It does me a little bit too. (laughs) If heaven is our eternal home, why do we need a new earth? Decorations? God created the earth and he called it good. And he created man to live on the earth. He thought that was pretty good. It doesn't make any sense to think about eternity as a non-earthly spiritual state. Earth was created for us, and we were created to live on it. If that weren't the case, it would mean that that God um, was unable to accomplish a lasting state of righteousness on earth. And that was his original plan. We'll have regenerated bodies. We were created to be on earth. We'll have a regenerated earth that was created for us to live on. This place is going to be wonderful. And if you want to imagine how wonderful it is, just think for a second of the most beautiful place you've ever been, that you've ever laid eyes on. Please don't somebody think of Paris. (coughs) I spent this summer high in the mountains of Wyoming. And what I saw can still choke me up a little bit. Mountains that were snow-capped. It seemed like rivers that were so beautiful and lakes that were so beautiful were everywhere. There was wildlife there. One of the things that really struck me one, one day when I was coming down off the mountain alone, and I'd seen them the whole week, but I looked across one of the meadows, and these meadows, we're not talking about little park yards. These things were huge, high in the mountains, and grass going all the way across it, blue flowers, purple flowers, yellow flowers, red flowers. I mean, we were up at that time probably a little over 10,000 feet. All this contrasting beauty between these beautiful rocks, these beautiful mountains, a beautiful blue sky. It overwhelmed me several times, and I just couldn't believe um, the majesty and the beauty that I was seeing. This new earth will blow that away. It's pretty clear if we're going to live on earth, we need, a, we need a new one. This one's messed up, but what's up with the new heaven? Basically what it's talking about there. Heaven is perfect. You're right. Why do we need a new one? Talking about location. An angel took John in the book of Revelations and showed him this new city, the new Jerusalem, coming down and settling on the earth. This is God's throne. This is God's dwelling place. And he tells us, no longer will we be apart from God. He's going to live with us. He's going to dwell with us. Um, he's going to be our God. We're going to be, our, be his people. This city is so big um, that if, if he placed it on, on this country, uh, it would take up a good part of the United States. And, and it's, uh, it's 1,400 miles long, east and west, 1,400 miles long, north and south. This is going to be one big square. And it's so beautiful that John uses terms like pure gold, crystal, giant pearls, everything else, all in, I'm not even going into the details. I really want you to look at for yourself because we're, we're trying to build, <laughs> we're trying to build our understanding. We're trying to build our excitement. So you really need to look at it for yourself. Besides that, 
All the words are these precious stones that are in Revelation. I can't pronounce them all, so look it up yourself. The foundations of this city um, are going to be of precious stones. This is some amazing stuff. Nothing impure will ever enter this city <coughs> where, God, where God is set here for, uh, for his um, throne. Nothing impure. This is not going to be a stagnant place. People are coming and going. They're coming and going in and out of the city and all about the earth, whatever else. I don't know what the Bible uh, completely talking about there, but we'll be doing it by the light of God's, God's glory. We won't need the sun and moon anymore. It doesn't mean we won't have it. We don't know, but we don't need it. God's glory will light our ways. Um, so if heaven is not floating in clouds, we have new bodies. It, it's not a 24-7 um, worship service, then what will we do in heaven? This is forever, remember? We're going to work. Doesn't that sound like fun? I put in 40, 50 years in a career, and now i got to work forever. It's going to be a lot different, folks. God loves us. He knows what will fulfill us. <coughs> this work will not be burdensome. This work will be meaningful and fulfilling, and we'll get to do it forever. Excuse me one minute. We're going to be active in heaven. So let's think, you know, we don't lose our ID. We've got a new earth. We've got a new heaven. We've got a new body, and we're going to be with God. No matter if you're somebody who's really looking forward to it or somebody that maybe struggles with that, as you dwell on these things, uh, your anticipation um, will grow. I read a book um, that was given to me. I've read a couple of them. But one of the lines in there was from David uh, Jeremiah revealing heaven's mysteries. He cl- he got a line in there that says, God is not boring. And I, I started laughing. Jeannie asked me, I was sitting there reading that. She said, what are you laughing at? I said, God is not boring. So don't think of heaven that way. <clears throat> don't think of it as an unending boredom church service. God is not boring. God created us. Um, he knows what's bed- best for us. He knows if you're not real excited, so if you're not, talk to God about that. Might as well get it off your chest. Let him work on your heart with that. But think about this. (coughs) I'm sorry, folks. (coughs) Um, God is not boring. He created us not to be boring. We're we're to enjoy each other. He created our imaginations. Another way to get excited is to uh, use your imagination. Never say, thus saith the Lord. I like to imagine <coughs> he created these heavens that go out there forever. Planets, stars, galaxies, all that. Dan Walmsley and I talked about that before. Do you think, Dan, do you think we're going to get to go to, he- uh, when we go to heaven, we're going to get to uh, go visit these places? I hope so, he said. I hope so too. I don't know. I'm not saying, thus saith the Lord. I'm saying, I hope so. We're using our imagination. I love to take my Harley for very long trips. Maybe I'll get to ride my Harley to some galaxy 10 million miles away. I don't know. I mean, I I like having fun with this. I like to eat. I got my helmet of salvation. Uh, (laughs) Now I'm lost. I I love to eat, but the idea of being a vegetarian, 
maybe God will change my heart. I know, I know, and if that's, that's okay if he does. Man, I want a big old fat steak. <laughs> Jesus ate fish after he was resurrected, didn't he? I don't know. <laughs> but you see what I'm saying with this. Use your imagination. God is fun, and it's okay for us to have fun. Just don't lock into these things and insist that's the way it's got to be, or I ain't going to be happy. That ain't the way it works, but it is okay. Um, we're, we're, trying to, we're trying to have some fun here now. All right. We got family to look forward to. We kind of got a little better understanding. We don't, we're not going to be these blobs, these, these mindless, genderless, same as everybody else blobs. We got a, we got a real life to look forward to in heaven, a real life, and it is forever. Some people aren't excited about heaven, though, for another reason. Just talking about heaven doesn't mean you're going to go. I challenge everybody at funerals, do you really believe what you're saying? Some people aren't excited because they ain't going. Many more people ain't going than are, according to the Scripture. Just as heaven is a real place, and there's one kind of life there that lasts forever, Hell is a real place, just as real as heaven, but it ain't beautiful. It ain't fun. It's a place of complete and total misery, darkness, fear, no hope. And it's every bit as real, and it lasts forever too. The Bible gives us all the excitement and, and pictures that get us thinking about heaven and exploring heaven. But it also gives us a warning of hell. God would never show us heaven, even, even though it's not a full picture, he would never show us heaven <coughs> if he didn't give us a clear path to avoid hell. We just talked about how nothing vile will ever enter the new Jerusalem, right? Guess what I am? I am dirty and I am vile and I am sinful to the core. So what hope is there for me? You are too, by the way, if you don't know it. God's plan was to send Jesus to live the perfect life to die on the cross, to raise again on the third day, to pay for my dirty vileness. And by trusting in Christ, God looks at me like I'm perfect. It's got nothing to do with my membership in this church. <coughs> it's got nothing to do with me being a pastor. It's got nothing to do with me being a good guy. I ain't a good guy. I'm a rotten no good but I'm a rotten no good who's dearly loved more than I can imagine. Jesus paid for my sin, and by me understanding and admitting that I'm guilty, and as best I can, you might have a lot better faith than I do, as best I can, I put my trust in what Jesus did on the cross for me. God looks at me like I'm perfect. Now I can go into that new Jerusalem. If you've never done that, I want to encourage you to think about what I said. We're going to take a couple minutes here right now. We're going to pray, and we're just, just going to be silent. If you're a believer here, whether you're really excited or not, ask God to increase your excitement <coughs> about heaven. 
pray for those who maybe don't understand that gospel that God will open their eyes today. If you're somebody here, well, I've been a member, I've been baptized, whatever else, but you've never understood that that ain't what does it. Good stuff. But you've got to put your faith in Jesus. If you've never understood that, I want you to, I want you to at least think about that today. You can ask God to forgive you based on what Christ did. You can come up here, whatever you want to do. But we're going to take a few minutes and be quiet and pray about those things. God, we just got so much to be grateful for. <clears throat> and the fact that you not only created a wonderful place like heaven that, that's almost beyond our imagination, but you also paved the way, that you paid the price for us to get there. I thank you for that. Father God, I thank you that you do give us what information you give us about heaven. I thank you that you uh, created fun in our lives. I didn't create fun, you did. I thank you that you allow us to use our imaginations and, and dream and wonder about what it's going to be like to be with you. And Father, I lift up everyone in this room that's, uh, that's trusted Jesus, that uh, they'll remember no matter what's going on that they got this great hope. And I lift up especially everyone in this room that maybe has never understood that before. Maybe today was the day, and if it is, I pray they'll come forward and let somebody know. But please don't let Satan steal that seed out of their mind, because it's their only hope for heaven. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father by me, but by me. Unless he was lying, and nobody is going to heaven unless they trust Jesus. Their only, their only destination is hell. Please don't let Satan uh, close anybody's eyes to that. Father, be with us as we go out today. Increase our love for you, for each other, and bring us back next week. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you all. You're dismissed.